Hello and welcome to episode four of The Wind Thieved Hat. Today I talk creativity with someone Stephen Fry has described as funny, frank, intelligent, enchantingly entertaining and a true hero. She is Chirette's hero, Jess Tom. Jess and I cover a lot of ground from the neurodiversity movement to the crazy language generating machine that is Chirette. And it's the only interview I've ever done to finish with the words, fuck a goat. As you'll learn, not everyone with Tourette swears, but Jess does. So if you don't do swearing, then this isn't the episode for you. For everyone else, you're in for a treat. Right, then. It's all great. set. All set. All set. Brilliant. It. All right. Lovely. Biscuit. So I'll do my Light little intro spiel. Yes, do. So I said, <clears throat> I want to talk about cats. I don't. <laughs> I remember that from Shambhala. Yeah. Does she love cats? No, she doesn't no, love cats. No, she doesn't love cats. She doesn't hate cats. <laughs> yeah. She's not got a problem with cats. Indifferent. Indifferent. Like biscuits. Biscuit. Hedgehog. Welcome to the Wind Thieved Hat. In this series of podcasts, I hope to explore their creative process, the highs, the lows, the joy and the pain, with some of the creative people I admire the most. A biscuit, Bob Mortimer. A biscuit, Carol Vorderman. love to do Bob Mortimer. Biscuit, Theresa May's bank balance. Today's Mm. guest is an extraordinary human being. She's a writer, a performer and stand-up. Sausage. She's also one of the two to 300,000 people in the UK Biscuit. with Tourette's syndrome, which is maybe the most frequently misunderstood condition on the planet. Sausage. I first saw Biscuit. Jess this summer when she gave Hedgehog. an incredibly funny and moving Biscuit. performance at the Shambhala Festival. I'm super chuffed to have with me Tourette's hero, Jess Tom. Sausage. Here she is. Hello, Biscuit. Jess. Hello, Biscuit. Thank good you. morning. Yeah, good morning. Thank How you, you for having me. Yeah, I'm very good, thanks. It's I very nice cats. to have you here. Yeah. Um, so, I, I'm very excited to talk to you yes. this morning, Beans. and I was looking at an interview when I was doing some research, and you said that creativity is Hedges. essential for your well-being, that art rescued you mm-hmm. from, from your own assumptions of what was possible Biscuit. for you. Yeah. I read that, I thought, that's great. Yeah, that's totally my true. first question. <laughs> I'm intrigued by that. How, Biscuit. Biscuit. So um, I've had tics since I was about six. Biscuit, Um, and tics are involuntary movements and noises that are the result of Tourette's syndrome. Biscuit. But my tics when I was younger were much milder and less noticeable to other people. Biscuit. Um, As um, as I got older, they intensified, particularly in my early twenties. Biscuit. Uh, And as that happened, uh, I felt my world getting smaller. Um, biscuit and it was mainly getting smaller because of my own my own restrictions that I was placing on myself my fear of my changing body and my identity and losing control of that and um, biscuit and my fear of other people's unpredictable reactions to me biscuit um, I have had a creative education I studied um, visual art at college biscuit uh, and worked with children and young people in a really sort of creative and playful way biscuit um, but I'd always kept Biscuit, my experiences with tics, my lived experience of impairment and disability separate from my creative practice. Biscuit, and I had found it really hard to talk about Tourette's without tears. Um, I found it really hard to see any creative value or possibility for that. Biscuit, yeah. um, there were some key moments where that began to change. Um, 
One of those was a conversation with my colleague and Tourette's Hero co-founder, Biscuit, Matthew Poutney. Um, and we had worked together for a long time and we'd been colleagues for a long time. And we were having a conversation about Tourette's Biscuit, which wasn't unusual. Um, but what was different about this is that he told me that he thought of Tourette's and my tics as a crazy language generating machine, Biscuit. And he went on to say that not doing something creative with, it, with them uh, was wasteful. And that sentence really took root in my mind and transformed my thinking. I was able to hear that in a different way. There was, it was partly the idea of Tourette's as a machine, and I liked the idea of, I imagined it a bit like um, Bertha, I'm going to give my age away, Bertha, the sort of cartoon yeah. machine that would churn out all of these colourful, creative things. Um, but I'd also been brought up to believe that being wasteful was, you know, was not a good thing, didn't want to be wasteful. But I really suddenly started to understand Biscuit that there might be value in the spontaneous creativity that Tourette's gives me access to. Biscuit, there might be value in thinking about and exploring the surreal experiences that I have as a result of someone whose brain works in a non-normative way. Biscuit. Um, and so that was the that was the start of Tourette's Hero um, and a real moment for me understanding that Biscuit, uh, what we say to each other matters, that change doesn't have to be a long drawn out process or a battle, it can often happen very quickly and in my experience um, art, laughter, questions, conversations, Biscuit are often the starting point for that change. Sausage! Biscuit. Brilliant. I love cats. Uh, that's amazing. Um, it's, it's lovely, isn't it? So that, that, I, I guess at that point at which you were able to um, ally your creativity with this condition which is with you sort of 24 hours a day, yeah. you, suddenly, you suddenly become whole then, don't you? Yeah, Biscuit, and it, and it just... Biscuit, I had been using my unusual brain within my creative practice from the very from when I was tiny. I just didn't recognise it in the same way. So when I was younger, I definitely had much many more obsessive tendencies, obsessive compulsive behaviours are often associated with Tourette's and my brain was definitely more obsessive when I was younger in a more impactful way on me. But certainly throughout my creative education, creative practice and before, big obsessive projects were my like were what I were what I got into and I was counting things and you know, interpreting the world and understanding the world through big tasks and the sort of analysing details and data and, you know, that, that, I loved that, but that was only ever possible because I knew that I could set myself a series of rules and follow them. And it's the same way that I would learn lines now. I, it's useful having a brain that can't walk past something without reading it if you've set up that, that principle. So, uh, biscuit, but I wouldn't necessarily have that. That part of the process was definitely not explicit. It was something that I utilised, but would never talk about. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it matters to talk about it, biscuit, partly because I, you know, there's an element where talking about Tourette's is doesn't isn't a choice for me. It is a yeah. tool um, for living and having a good quality of life. Is explaining to people um, my experiences and perspective and what's you know why I make biscuit movements and noises and whether I'm explaining that you know on a bus or to a group of children at work or um on a stage or you know biscuit on a podcast 
actually the, the main difference I'm doing that all the time the main difference is you know when I do that in a sort of more public way um, you know I just reach more people <laughs> biscuit ketchup sausage in, in your brilliant book Welcome to Biscuitland you, biscuit. um, you cite the Oxford Handbook of Clinical Medicine and their definition of Tourette's yeah. which is great biscuit. it describes the tics as irrepressible explosive Occasionally obscene verbal ejaculations. And gestures! So far, so good. But then it goes on to Biscuit. say there may be a witty, innovatory, phantasmagoric Biscuit. picture with mimicry, antics, playfulness, extravagance, impudence, audacity, dramatisation, surreal associations, uninhibited effect. Fuck it! That's amazing. Yeah, let's get. And my sister found that. Um, she's when she was training to be a doctor so she's actually still a medical student at that point and my understanding is that the Oxford Handbook of Clinical Medicine is the sort of uh, bible of the medical profession in right. terms of their sort of the re, what, a key resource for medical students um, and I, that it was the first time that I had seen any sort of description of Tourette's biscuit that actually matched my lived experience because if, right. if you look online it will tell you that you know it will tell you about you know characterized by motor and vocal tics like involuntary movements and noises but it won't tell you about all of the other sort of surreal and unusual aspects um that makes living with a uh, with a teoretic brain a sort of fascinating layered challenging uh, unpredictable uh, frustrating joyful all of those things <laughs> um biscuit uh, yeah and I think biscuit. I felt a lot of relief that actually yeah. that that all of that that my experience of the condition as a whole was recognised. Biscuit. I think the first time meeting other people with Tourette's was a big was a really important moment for me and something biscuit that I was resistant to for ages and then was like the best thing I've ever done. Um, <laughs> biscuit. Uh, but one of the things that was interesting about my friends and family meeting other people with Tourette's is that they they said that there were lots of things that they just thought were biscuit aspects of my personality okay. that they suddenly could see echoed in other people's behaviour and um, it was then I think very interesting for them trying to unpick biscuit what what aspects were down to character and what aspects were down to how yeah. how I'm wired biscuit. Um, and you know, ultimately, lots of that is a fruitless task, and it is a slightly it's slightly pointless, I think, because obviously both of those things influence on each other. My experiences of life with Tourette's has definitely informed the person I am of and course. had an impact on my character. And similar, similarly, living with a a brain that works in a particular way um, has definitely, you know, shaped yes. a load of my uh, experiences and perspectives. Absolutely. Fuck it! It's really interesting Listen. when one explores uh, the creative brain. You know, the, when one reads about um, uh, the psychology of people who've made great works of art, sure. and one often finds that there, 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 is, there is a non-normative quality. You know, mm. men, there's, there's a big correlation between mental illness mm. and creativity. And um, it seems sometimes as if um, a brain that is wired a little different is able to... Um, See, see the world a little mm. different. Risk it, yeah. Well, I'm really, I'm really interested in it and excited by the sort of neurodiversity movement, the movement that, you know, on a basic level understands that all of our brain, brains and bodies are different. I mean, the fact there isn't really a normative 
body or mind. Um, but the neurodiversity movement, understanding the conditions that previously might solely have been understood in the context of impairment, biscuit actually just represent the diversity of the ways that different minds um, you know, exist. Yeah. It, just like with lots of things, the, the world is often made in the shape and in the image of a very small group of people, biscuit, or, or you know, a particular body or mind, and doesn't then think about or consider uh, difference, uh, biscuit, which is where you then get disabling barriers, um, oppression and discrimination and marginalisation. Biscuit, at its heart, inclusive practices are just about understanding that we all do things differently rather than assuming that everyone does things the same way. Um, biscuit, but that shift in thinking, however, that is very is very slight, but it often takes a long time for people to get there. Biscuit, partly because of the negative way that um, disability is talked about with and the sort of very stereotypes way that uh, non-normative bodies are presented in the very limited narratives. And I think the other really important part of my journey. Biscuit with Tourette's and with be, to be a, being an artist was seeing other disabled artists, was seeing my experiences right. reflected and represented. So um, seeing uh, Liz Carr and Matt Fraser, who are amazing disabled artists, uh, making challenging, funny, uh, extravagant work. Biscuit, being on stage, definitely helped me feel that that was a place that I could occupy. Sausage! As a creative person, one needs to sort of top off Fuck. with culture and engage Sausage. with culture. And yet the spaces where we engage with culture are not very accommodating mm. if you have Tourette's. Yeah. Um, the theatre, for instance. Yeah. Theatre audiences, I imagine, don't generally take kindly to Hedgehog. somebody shouting... Sausage! Sausage <laughs> or hedgehog. Biscuit. Do it again. Biscuit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I think one of the things that as I got older that became very clear was that I was being sent, we are all, we're sent lots of messages, very subtle messages all the time about whether we belong somewhere or not, or whether a space is or isn't for us. And I, Biscuit, I remember like largely my experience of secondary school was very positive and I was very well supported. Even though I didn't have a diagnosis of Tourette's, I had lots of unusual behavior, running at closed doors, um, shouting, random stuff. Yeah. Um, Biscuit, but it was understood in the context of neurodiversity without there needing to be uh, a direct diagnosis at that point. And I feel very lucky to have had that experience because, and because I, I think it's unusual. I think sometimes people do find like we find it hard without detailed explanations to understand that some you know people do things differently. But I was very lucky and supported in that way, and then by teachers, but also by my peers. Um, the one time that I can remember that changing, in fact, and being very aware that my body didn't behave in the way that my classmates' bodies did, was when we were taken on a on a theatre trip um, right. when I was about fifteen, and we went to the old Vic biscuit, and it was the most uncomfortable, uh, like it was horrifying to me, and I moved the whole way. I couldn't be still. It was probably one of the first times I realised I couldn't actually be still I think I knew that I moved a lot but I think you know that you know got lots of energy you know it was like I actually can't I can't make myself conform to the expectation 
And that then also was very evident to all of my teachers and other students who were then would, would laughed uh, and mocked me for probably for one of the only, one of the only times that I really remember that happening. But I definitely left with the clear impression that theatre wasn't for me. It's wasn't not my something, space. yeah, yeah. It wasn't something that I enjoyed. Not wasn't somewhere, somewhere I felt welcome. It required a set of um, aptitudes <laughs> that I didn't have, which was being still and quiet. Um, biscuit. But that was also confusing because I love comedy, I love live performance, I love storytelling um, and biscuit. And I didn't come from a family where going to the theatre was a, a thing that we did. I've never really asked my mum whether that would be something that they <laughs> might have done yeah. <laughs> <laughs> had I been less chaotic. Yeah. Um, biscuit. Uh, but I, I was drawn to those spaces and had lots of friends who would talk about shows and and I would try like I would go and see stuff but I had some really challenging experiences as an audience member Biscuit which then if you can't get into a theatre uh, you know to see stuff then how can you imagine yourself making stuff absolutely um, it was a it was an experience of being excluded or being asked to move and sit separately during um, a theatre show despite having done everything right in terms of preparing and letting the venue know and um, the, the comedian being incredibly supportive. Despite all of that, I was asked to move and sit separately. It was an incredibly humiliating experience and I promised myself that I would never set foot in another theatre. But it was that's not a promise I've kept. And actually, I was supported by friends and creative organisations to see that there was a different way and actually I could occupy the only seat biscuit in the house that I wouldn't ask be asked to leave on stage um, and take up space that's quite an extreme way to feel safe in a theatre to have to make a show and <laughs> um, biscuit and I definitely and I don't think that's what people you know I don't think that that should be you should be able to feel safe in cultural spaces take creative risks see things you might or might not like there's a big difference between taking a creative risk and seeing a piece of work that you might like or not and taking a risk biscuit with part of your identity yeah. um, and being at risk of having something that is a fundamental part of you challenged. Um, biscuit, lots of the sort of invisible rules of our cultural and creative spaces are also fairly recent and they speak to a desire to sort of... for they, Like it's a sort of a dominant... There's a sort of... Sp- group of people who feel very very safe and feel like that is the way that you enjoy art and mm. therefore any other way of enjoying art is less valid or can happen at other times or uh, and I definitely want to see a sort of more de- democratic creative and cultural world because I think it will be a, a richer and more interesting one Biscuit, because if, if theatre is only made by people with a sort of same lift, expect, lift perspective telling the same stories it's quickly going to get boring and yeah. um, biscuit and we're missing out yes on amazing rich um creative life absolutely biscuit sausage and, and if there was ever a time when we needed art it's now yeah i think yeah um uh, we don't need to talk about all the stuff that's going on in biscuit. The world. well biscuit i think it's, it's for me it's hard not to talk about some yeah. of that because my life and my ability to be an artist is fundamentally reliant on political decisions. Biscuit and decisions often made by people who have never met me. Um, biscuit, <laughs> you know, being a disabled person is a political act. I find it impossible to, to, to you know, um, to separate out my life. 
from uh, social care, from from health. Um, Biscuit, um, I am able to be an artist because of the support that is provided to me. Yeah. Tourette's is a fact about my body. Biscuit, my tics are a fact about my body. Um, they are not what disables me. I'm disabled by the way that we organise society, by um, uh, disabling attitudes, environments, um, systems. I am also disabled by a lack of support. Um, and I am particularly worried about a general, you know, basically working with young people, particularly with disabled young people, and seeing the impact of austerity politics um, over the last eight years, and watching children grow up in that, have their childhoods in that context yeah. um, has made me acutely aware of how many people are being written out of our world, let alone our cultural world. How can we basically expect to have the next generation of disabled artists if disabled young people can't even leave the house? Um, and so, yeah, we don't mean to talk loads about that, but I think it is something that is an integral part of my lived experience and I, I believe that art and laughter and creativity are incredibly power, powerful tools for bringing people together Absolutely. Um, and one of the amazing things about theatre particularly as a live experience that you share with a group of people um, and the sort of history of theatre was about community building um, from my understanding was about people coming yeah. together um, and so I feel that definitely the arts has a responsibility to acknowledge the politics that we are living in now and to do everything it can to make sure that people are written in and have the, have the tools that they need to uh, resist um, some of the really rubbish stuff that is happening in our world yeah, at the moment. Absolutely. Fra- sausage! Divisive times. Divisive times! Art has the capacity to unite us. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think, I think, I think so. But I, only if people with lived perspectives take the lead. I think. Yeah. Um, there's, there's a sort of there's a sort of ongoing joke about um, you know the way to win an Oscar is to is to play a play a disabled person, um, and we really need to make sure that we are not celebrating the regurgitation of stereotypes. Yes. Um, and that we are actually. You know, representation is not Eddie Redmayne pretending to be Stephen Hawking. That is not, that doesn't, the only thing that that tells me about my ability to live in a world is that I should, it's easier if you're non disabled. <laughs> Biscuit. Sure. Um, so I think it's really important to make sure that we are listening and talking and thinking collectively and that Biscuit inclusive practice is everybody's responsibility. But disabled people or people with other lived perspectives or barriers need need to take the need to take the lead and be often, particularly with disability, I think often exclusion happens accidentally. It's a lack of thought. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it's a deliberate act, biscuit, and they're they're you know biscuit. And I don't think the politics of, that we're currently living in are an accident. That is definitely you know deliberate. Um, but I think lots of exclusion isn't. It's a lack of thought. It's people not, you know, not imagining or having contact 
with people whose minds or bodies work differently to, to, to them. Yeah. Why do we expect when we go to a theatre to not be sitting next to a learning disabled person or someone with Tourette's? I remember a comedian about three or four years ago, just get, um, I was in the audience and he was saying, oh, you know, you as a comedian, you prepare for everything. You prepare for drunk people, you prepare for hecklers, but, you know, I've never prepared for somebody with Tourette's. And that as a sort of assumption, the first thing I thought was, like, why not? You know, 300,000 people with Tourette's are on its own without thinking about other uh, neurological conditions or other um, impairments that might mean that you... <laughs> that you stand out within those audiences, why do we expect to go to the theatre and not be sitting next to a learning disabled person or someone with Tourette's? Um, that's the sort of, you know, one in five people within in the UK identify as disabled, but they're definitely not visible within our, um, within our world as, as a whole. And I think that makes it much more likely that people will accidentally uh, create barriers yeah. because they're not used to thinking about difference um biscuit if you can be still and quiet um in a theater biscuit it's not necessarily going to occur to you to think about people who who can't and wonder where they are it's much also much more likely to come to the conclusion that it's probably better for them not to be in that environment biscuit mm-hmm. i i um saw an actor recently saying that the reason that they had cast a um non-learning disabled child to play um, a learning disabled part was because the sort of schedules would have been too much for a learning disabled child. And I was just like, well, change the schedules. <laughs> this kid <Yeah. laughs> is, yeah. you know, that, 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 I think, and I think that that's, that speaks to, that speaks to everything. We are so used to just, and I think that's why I feel lucky right. um, to have a perspective that means that I don't just have to go along with everything all the time. I, I, I do have my attention drawn to different things. I do have to think about how I go about doing things within my life. And I think that that means that I then get an opportunity to do things in a different way, expressly in a different way. Whereas I think if, that, if, if it's easier for you to sort of follow the patterns and the conventions and the systems that, we have, that have been set up for us, let's get then maybe it's easy, like, it's the path of least resistance is to go along rather than to, to challenge. But that's not always healthy or um, what's good for people's well-beings or well-being or minds or bodies. So I think, Biscuit, I think the other really big thing that I feel lucky about in terms of Tourette's is the way it draws attention to the details of my world. Um, and so those those perspectives definitely add lots to to my experience of my surroundings and that definitely feels like a privilege sausage fuck a goat i was when i was reading the book i was thinking pita bread biscuits if this was me i would be tempted to retreat to the countryside Uh, as it happens i I do live in the countryside but your um your when you go out you um you have um Good experiences and bad experiences. Yeah. And when those experiences are going to happen are utterly Fair. unpredictable. Yeah. You live in a busy Pitch. part of London. Yeah. One of the busiest cities in the world. Yeah. And you put yourself on stage and on television. Yeah. Um, in front of Fair. loads and loads of people. Biscuit. That's interestingly that that putting myself on stage is the easiest part. Right. That's the part that I'm 
most in control okay. of um, biscuit. Uh, does that feel comfortable? Uh, biscuit. Yeah, largely it does. I think because biscuit. I you know I haven't trained as a performer, and I wouldn't have ever considered like that was not not something that I ever had as an ambition. Um, but it is something that I enjoy. Um, and, you know, I've worked in adventure playgrounds for, you know, the, the last 20 years. So if you can hold a group of 60 children at circle time, then holding a group of adults in the theatre is easy by comparison. <laughs> so often, you know, there is a performance element to, to that side of what I've done. But, um, yeah, I don't... I think there's an element where people will often say... People often will say to me, it's like, oh, you know, if I... And to other disabled people, you know, I could never live like that. Or if I had that, you know, if I don't know, you know, I would never be able to manage, you know, this idea that somehow to live with an impairment makes you brave or inspirational just because you keep going. And um, actually, the reality is that we are people are very good at adapting um, and you don't really have much choice but to but to carry on. And yeah, biscuit. I, I could go and I could go and live in the countryside, but I'm a, I'm a Londoner. Yeah. <laughs> um, I can do it for a little bit, but not for not for long. This isn't my city and my home, and um, I can't I can you know I can't really imagine living in very many other places. And certainly, my experiences in public space are very like unpredictable. It's interesting now as a wheelchair user, biscuit. Yeah. That actually. I am much more likely to be treated with support and empathy and for people to understand my behaviour in the context of disability because there is a visual uh, marker of that. I think as a society, we're not very good at understanding that loads of people, like loads of impairments and loads of um, things that will mean that people need to do things differently are not outwardly visible, that... Um, we shouldn't need to have a crutch, a cane, um, an assistance dog, a wheelchair, biscuit, um, a sign, a sign, a visible symbol um, to understand that people need to, bodies and minds work in different ways and therefore we need to be ready to be flexible. Um, but we, that is the situation. I'm also much more likely to be treated with... Um, you know, condescension and much more likely for assumptions to be made about my ability to to think for myself and um, biscuit but I think some of the fear that was constantly part of my life when I was moving around um, more independently and not without a visible sim- symbol of disability um, a lot of a lot of the thing what I was encountering was fear and people's uh, people's fear of not understanding why I was behaving in a particular way. So giving it a context means that lots of that fear goes away and other challenges replace it. But I, I, but my, the solution is not that everyone with an invisible impairment gets a, gets a wheelchair, however great they are. Um, yeah. um, uh, Referring back to the book again, uh, often it seems that the, the, uh, the most, uh, the, the, the the most sort of a genuine, um, and straightforward response you get is from kids. Yeah. And yeah, I think yeah, that's yeah. really interesting because I so, talk about kids in my uh, creative so workshops. When we are kids, we, are, we have this sort of fearless creativity. Mm. You know, we, so, we, we, we make and we draw and we write and, and we don't really care too We do much. it for ourselves. We do it for ourselves. Not because of what other people are going to think. 
yeah. of it. Um, um, and the other, the other big difference for children in terms of disabilities, they, they ask the curious questions, mm-hmm. but most importantly, they listen to the answers. And as we get older, I think we often ask questions to show that we already know or to have our own assumptions yes. confer- uh, c- confirmed. And if people aren't really listening to you, it's very hard to challenge those assumptions. I don't, Biscuit, I totally understand, Biscuit, that if you haven't seen Tourette's before, that my, my body is going to look strange to people. I move in ways and, you know, shout and people are going to look. I understand that the bit that I am less tolerant of is um, the point at which I've explained and people don't listen to that explanation. And, Biscuit, and particularly pe- people in positions of authority, I think it can be very hard to feel like if you've maybe misjudged something or misunderstood something or need to back down or change your approach, I think changing your approach once you've started down a line can feel really difficult. And I suppose that would be my big message to people is to, is to li- really listen and then respond appropriately and not respond out of, out of embarrassment. Often, the, you know, it's, it, it makes me cringe every time, you know, a child will look at me with genuine curiosity or be like, oh, why is that woman saying biscuit? And then a parent will, you know, move their child's head or right. tell them to shush. And it's like the, the actions of embarrassed adults yeah. are probably one of the single biggest yeah. reasons why we become so uncomfortable yeah. with disability. Yeah. And there's a statistic, um, a scope statistic from a piece of research they did a couple of years ago that says that 67% of the general public, uh, population say that they, would feel uncom- they feel uncomfortable talking to a disabled person. That's just say that's just saying hello. <laughs> so that dis, that discomfort and that awkwardness is not something that I experience in my um, interactions with children, and therefore that's something that we're learning. Yeah. So we need to find out. Yeah. We need to pinpoint where that is and stop it yeah. because that's that discomfort. If we tell children not to look, yeah. not to ask, we're yeah. giving the idea that uh, disability is shameful. Um, we're also potentially telling them that anything that is non-normative about how their body or mind works yeah. is shameful. Yes, um, and, we're, and we're hiving, we're hiving it off, aren't we? So that we were talking earlier about the importance of the, uh, uh, of, of the field of the arts being absolutely inclusive mm. and covering all kinds of experiences for, and being richer for it. Yeah, um, and that kind of behaviour is, is 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 counter to that. The, the, the thing is that disability is, is not a niche issue. It's like it's relevant to anyone who has a body or mind. Even cats. Even cats. <laughs> Fuck it. It's, um, you know, disability can touch people's lives at any point. It's not a fixed, unchanging state. I am more or less disabled in different contexts. Yeah. And the exciting thing about that is that by thinking things through, and thinking about and considering different types of people, we can create less disabling spaces, systems, attitudes, and that will lead to a sort of easier, richer world for everyone. And particularly, it will make those moments of adjustment if your circumstances change much easier and less traumatic. Yes. Because if you would be part of a world where you've seen um, different types of conditions so, so understood and supported then when your body changes, 
you're not going, you've got more to draw from than yeah. the very restricted yes. sort of stereotypes and narratives yeah. and tragic yeah. portrayals. Yes. Um, the idea, Biscuit, that you can be disabled and happy is, if, like, um, is one that I think people just don't even think about. And yeah. um, Biscuit and disability culture is rich. The, you know, the, the act of being disabled is obviously, it's not great, that's about barriers. You know, it's about living in a world where you face obstacles because of a lack of consideration, a lack of thought. But the art, culture, music, poetry, activism that has come out of those experiences of barriers is something that I feel incredibly proud of for, um, in terms of my sort of the disabled community and, and disability art community. Sausage. Let's talk a little bit about this crazy language generating machine. Yes. That Matthew um, very um, square girl um, uh, appropriately described. So hello from, from the book, I wrote a few things down. Capital letters talk to themselves at night. About parakeets. Fingers on buzzards. 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 Don't make me ladder your tights. This, Ladders this are of, amazing. This, this is one of my favourites. I'm sorry for crashing my life into you. <laughs> uh, Fuck it. Good night, winter. I know there's a spring under you. <laughs> and softly spoken autumn. Yeah, softly uh, spoken autumn is a nice one. And these all ticks. Yeah. These are poetry. I am not a poet. I'm also actually not that funny. My friends <laughs> will often say that I say something funny at Biscuit as myself about once every six months. Biscuit, fortunately Tourette's has a higher hit, hit rate than yeah. that. Sausage. Yeah, it's a really um, like why certain words become ticks. Fuck it um, is a mystery. Anything that I've ever experienced has the potential to come up as a tick. Biscuit, there's elements of that that are really sort of exciting. There are also elements of that that feel really frightening um, and I definitely rather ridiculously even now still try and curate curate the language that I am exposed to because there are certain words particularly words that would be really damaging to other people that I feel very fearful of mm-hmm. it's quite it's quite odd being frightened of words and not not being fearful of words being used against you but fearful of words becoming part of your part of my life you mean you mean like swear words biscuit or? no not swear words fuck oh. it biscuit i mean uh, i mean language that is racist discriminatory oh, okay. fuck it sausagey um like actually swearing is relatively easy to deal with yeah. biscuit. it's the bit it's the thing that parents often want parents with children with Tourette's often worry about swearing right. and um I don't. I don't really. Yeah, to only ten percent of people with Tourette's swear. Although yeah. it's what it's it's the it's very it's what people most commonly associate yeah. um, with condition and the word Tourette's. And it's funny how you know if, you know I will I will explain to you know any stranger on the telephone that that I have Tourette's and that therefore if I'm making unusual noises that's why. In sort of ninety-five percent of the time, as soon as the word Tourette's is mentioned, you can hear the other person on the end of the line sort of let out a sort of giggle, um, uh, involuntary giggle almost. And it's like the the association is so strong with yeah. um, with that, and it's unhelpful because it gets in the way of people getting the support they need or being understood. The number of families who've said to me that people have said, you know, oh, your child couldn't possibly have Tourette's because they don't swear, or I've never heard them swear. It's 
it's and to be disbelieved to that point where you are telling somebody something significant like that and basically I often feel lucky to have very obvious texts at the moment because it means that I don't have to make that decision about when to tell people uh, we, so, we, we, were talking, we were talking about the text and the creativity of the text and you, so you said that there are three categories of ticks. There's the regular ones. Regular. That you say hundreds of times every day. Biscuits. Um, we've probably established by now that biscuits. Hedgehog, is cats. One of those. Um, Mother Teresa, dusty cunt. There, there are the occasional ticks. <laughs> that, that is not less regular. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Fuck it. Uh, dusty you say once cunt. or twice. Um, dusty cunt. Dusty and then the, cunt. There's the third Fuck. category where they're sort of themed. Yeah, yeah, and and I, I was um, as, as a child of the seventies myself. I was quite amused. So, I was a child um, of the eighties, right? Okay. <laughs> but you still reworked the Jim will fix it theme tune. I song. did. I uh, um, yeah. Uh, yeah. So these are really interesting. Some they... particular sounds are very um, sort of provocative, inexplicably over, like inexplicably exciting and triggering to me. So, and right. um, people rolling their R's will send me wild. Um, <laughs> um, biscuit, yeah, Jim will fix it theme tune. Da -da, da -da. One letter is only the start of it. Yeah, it's very okay. inappropriate at the moment. Yes, yes. What, one cheap dog, and now you're part of it. Jim will, Jim will fix it if you biscuit yeah. if you if you don't mind a donkey paedophile. Um, uh, sausage biscuit grimace. Um, but yeah, there was a hymn. Yeah. My friend, and so you get like a theme, biscuit. And, and, and so it becomes something in itself. My friend Laura you know? had to change one of her, like, had to change one of her wedding songs as I was one of her bridesmaids, and there was absolutely no way Lord of the Dance was going to work. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it would have been, it would have worked. She probably wouldn't have had uh, uh, a very conventional wedding if that had if yeah. that had been played. Sausage. Yeah. So you've got you get these these beautiful little sort of haikus that come out. And then one thing that's really nice Fuck that you're it. doing is um, you've put, you put them all, there's 6,000 or so, there's probably more now on yeah. the website, yeah. and you let people work with those. Um, you Biscuit. said, just before we started recording, that you've been working with a guy on stage who has bipolar, who's very good at um, dramatising your Biscuit, the Incredible um, Captain Hot Knives, yeah. The, the Incredible Captain Hot Knives. The Tourette's the Bipolar funniest, Alliance. One of the many... <laughs> funny bits yeah there's quite a cocktail um uh, that made me laugh was um you were talking about uh, ticking about god god in the vein of those posters you get outside um churches yes. and you made one of those up as a poster for your Fact. mate left-wing idiot yeah. which reads god loves you <laughs> except if you're a cunt <laughs> <laughs> Except when pretty... you're a cunt, I think it is. Uh, oh, is it? I'm sorry. Biscuit. For, someone who's, for someone who um, has a lot of involuntary language, I'm quite specific about it, <laughs> it being quoted right. Um, um, I, I'm just itching to see Biscuit. that outside of church. Biscuit. You it was fly poster it. It was that those, um, I did a series of, they were the first creative thing that I did with my right. ticks, was, okay. um, was take some of the, because I was going through a big God's tick phase at that point, and okay. I was taking some of them and reworking them onto, onto, onto slogan, church, church banners. Um, so yeah, we like making ticks available is obviously central to that idea of not wasting them. Yeah, um, biscuit. And so there are yeah, six over six thousand real things that I've said as vocal ticks on our website, and they are there to be used by poets, musicians, artists. We've got hundreds of amazing illustrations or visual images yeah. uh, relating tick-inspired art, and um, and the idea that is that they are catalysts. For creativity and they're there to be used by anyone as a sort Brilliant. of springboard yeah. um, biscuit and um, there's a 
Laura, who I've mentioned a couple of times, is a, a teacher um, at a pupil referral um, uh, school in um, in Sutton, and they have been incredibly supportive of the work we're doing right from the beginning. And each year, do a Tourette's themed project that also links to surrealism. Um, and Laura said that she used to start her um, GCSE work with young people by getting them to sort of do drawings of um, organic shapes, or yeah. um, but it that never really captured their imagination. There's something about the ticks that mean that they are sort of very visual, very bite-sized, yeah. often very funny, so that for young people they are a good way in yeah. to thinking about surrealism, but also thinking about how you can make different the sort of breadth of different imagery that you can create and the different yes. ways of doing that yeah sausage so that, that and that's um that, that, that's that I'm, I'm going to start using some of those in my workshops i think as a starting point tiddly winks are fun if you fuck goats goat fucking big on the agenda today it, it appears to be yeah <laughs> it, maybe it's because i'm from the countryside you know, I've, I've brought the whiff of goats with me perhaps. a whiff I, of goats I, I, I hope not um, I yeah, no, I, I haven't. I haven't noticed yeah, that. Yeah, they are quite strong-smelling animals. <laughs> Fuck, lynx effect. Yeah. That chat was nice, but Bayek, he did smell of goat. Goat. Um, uh, Biscuit. Goat. Uh, so, on the one hand, um, you know, you've got these lovely little sort of phrases that come out Fuck. that spur to creativity. But then, on the other hand, like when you're writing, I imagine um, uh, the the Tourette's can sort of get in the way a bit. Just, Biscuit. Just... No, well, when I'm like, that's one of the most. Fuck, liberating things about writing, I think, for me, is that the ticks get looking when I choose. It's the only sort of part of my world where I can really decide when they, when they get looking or, right. and when they don't in terms of what is presented to the world. I, some people with Tourette's do have ticks where they involuntarily will write stuff. The only way that Tourette's impacts on my write, my sort of physical writing is pressing the wrong keys and okay. deleting stuff and sort of physical physical, yeah. physically yeah. finding it hard. Yeah. You know, the fact that I... Um, and don't have the best control of my arms. Yeah. Um, but actually, I hadn't, you know, I, I, I'm also dyslexic and writing wasn't something that I ever felt very confident with. Um, and I definitely hadn't written since leaving school. And then when we started to write Sarah, Matthew, Matthew kept talking about the blog, which I, you know, back in 2010 didn't, had no, I, you know, I was quite uh, ignorant of lots of sort of, uh, what, digital terminology um, and so I thought like a blog was like just a sort of news section news area and then when he told me I needed to, he told me I needed to start practicing writing and I was like for what and he was like for the blog and then it's like then it dawned on me that that was uh, it was more than just a you know a news list right. and so I began writing every day because I also didn't know that daily blogs weren't really a thing um <laughs> <laughs> And that was one of the most that was a, one of the most life changing things I've done. I think was one of the big because giving that space to think about Tourette's, allowing myself that space to think about Tourette's and how it had impacted on my day was something I'd never done before. Right. And it was it meant before that I could definitely if anyone had asked me about Tourette's I could have drawn for the sort of sad harrowing experiences the things that were really upsetting or difficult times people had not been supportive all of those were very very near the surface and easy to get what writing every day made me do was also 
notice and recognize the spontaneous support, laughter, joy, um, surreal experiences that also were part of the fabric of my life. Um, And that by and large, the, the blog was much more dominated by funny things made me laugh is a much bigger category than made me cry yeah um and so i think that was useful it also gave me the language to talk about Tourette's because yeah. i hadn't i hadn't got that language right. um and then through the process of sort of talking and developing my confidence particularly in performance and also feeling more connected to a community of other disabled people my understanding of my, my political understanding of myself as a disabled person evolved um I have always been a disabled person. I haven't always been a, a politically disabled person. Yeah. Um, but now I understand disability in big D disabled in the sort of context of yeah. I am, uh, you know, saying I'm a disabled person makes me feel proud. It makes me feel strong. Biscuit means I can give and receive solidarity. Biscuit. Yeah. Um, and it means that I can be part of a community of people that are acknowledging the barriers and therefore hopefully um, finding ways to bring them down. <laughs> yeah, 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 the barriers, not the people. The barriers, not the people, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't want to bring any 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 people down. Um, Biscuit. Wait, wait, wait. <laughs> Captain No Hot Knives um, does have a whole, he has a whole idea about the, the world needing more high profile disabled people. So his solution is that we go around disabling celebrities. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, we have not, we haven't acted on that. You don't have a hit yeah. list of, yeah, yeah. Uh, of, of, of celebrities. Fuck it. Novel. Biscuit, no, no. To, uh, my ticks do love celebrity deaths though. I will often right, predict, okay. I will often predict people's deaths. Right. Have you ever been accurate? Ta- table tennis. Um, like eventually, yeah, yeah. Sooner or later, <laughs> not like going to be right. Tour voyancy is yeah, a thing. Yeah. Biscuit. Um, and, and, and just, uh, I was curious about performance. You know, um, uh, do you do you tick more when you're nervous? Biscuit. You know? um, the like one of the things I find really frustrating is the sort of link that people often have in their minds between Tourette's and nerves. The idea of a nervous tick. Um, I my tics intensify if I feel any sort of heightened emotion so if I'm excited or happy or frustrated or sad or nervous biscuit then my tics are likely to to change or and often intensify although sometimes weirdly simplify if I'm really upset sometimes they will become more sort of of a standby mode there's definitely tonal changes or change my tics definitely change to reflect my emotional state but my emotional state is not the cause of my mm. tics. Um, biscuit. <laughs> and you know, people often, you know, some, lots of people with Tourette's do also have, you know, ang- you know, are also anxious or do have anxiety. There's part of me that's also a bit like, well, of course you're anxious. Because if you go around, <laughs> Biscuit, if you go around shouting stuff yeah. that you have, don't, like, have no control over, then, yeah, yeah the world is quite a nerve-wracking place. Yeah, um, Biscuit. Sure. And similarly with, you know, ADHD is often also a, a co-existing condition. And yeah. um, I'm, not, I'm not in any way saying that they, that they are real co-existing conditions. But there is also an element where it's like, of course it's hard to concentrate if you are moving relentlessly or if you are putting all of your energy mm. on controlling your physical or bodily expression. And I definitely, as a child, Biscuit... Um, and was particularly within a school environment, I put so much 
energy and time into trying to develop to develop strategies to to mask, hide, prevent my body doing things in unusual ways. I would sit on my arms and legs uh, to give myself pins and needles just so I felt a different sensation in my body other than the urge to move. Right. You know, I, you know, I as ticks impacted on my sleep in my 20s, I would fill pillowcases with books and then wait, you know, hold to hold my limbs down. Didn't, I was working within an autism team. It didn't occur to me for years to use a weighted blanket. It was sort of, sometimes it's so hard to transfer knowledge and expertise. Mm. It's often very easy, for example, to, to see the solutions for other people and much harder to see what those solutions are for yourself. But for me, taking a practical approach to ticks, um, uh, ha- it has been the most effective strategy and mm. ha- developing the language and confidence to talk about them. Yeah. Sausage! And you enjoy being on stage? Yeah. By and large, I think, yeah, yeah I do. Biscuit, I enjoy, I enjoy meeting new people. I enjoy collaborating with people. Biscuit, I enjoy um, laughter, shared laughter. Um, and I enjoy the challenge of thinking about how you present stories or ideas or perspectives in ways that make them easy for people to to take for themselves and to think about mm. um risk it Sausage. i was impressed by the um Fuck. illustrations in the book as well uh, you, you said you you um when you draw you take less yeah i take i take less so any sort of like focused biscuit really focused activity can um reduce ticks for some people people are constantly asking me if I can sing and if my tics reduce when I sing music makes my tics much you know for me music excites my okay. tics rather than yeah. the other way but but my friend Ruth for example is an amazing singer and her tics do like do lessen it's that idea when you when you when you engage whatever part of the brain it is in a particular focused activity that yeah. can reduce tics I often my tics will often go into a standby mode so it will just be like biscuit it's like very simple okay. but very repetitive yeah fuck um which is also something similar happens as I'm going yeah. to sleep in the early stages of right. sleep. Um, and a bit biscuit is the sort of is that the biscuit? I mean, biscuit is staying strong. I mean, yeah. we're, biscuit, we're going to have a massive branding issue when that changes and that goes. I have an- announced the end of the biscuit tick several yeah. times, yeah. Uh, sometimes um, deliberately to tease yeah. people, and sometimes because <laughs> I thought it genuinely. When Hedgehog came in, I thought biscuit had gone. Right, right. It's like it oh no, history. it's still there. It's, it's still just, there. And sometimes ticked creeping gradually biscuit Um, and I think biscuit was definitely a creeper in terms of how it gradually crept in whereas hedgehog for example I went out one evening not saying hedgehog and came back saying hedgehog a lot and it's never left so um it can you know that 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 unpredictably one of the big one of the things that's most challenging about Tourette's is is its unpredictability is the fact that it fluctuates and therefore is other people's responses and relationship with it and that that there is an element where for people with Tourette's, that con- like people constantly judging, just get the level of your tics and then yeah. trying to, you know, like, yeah. are, you more, are you more relaxed now? Are you more nervous now? Are you? It's like, yeah. 
Yeah. You know, a biscuit. And I, you know, some, you know, yeah. I've had, you know, for people, even people who know me very well have said, oh, you know, I've said I'm upset about something. They say, oh, you're not upset. I can see from, you know, how your tics are. I say, no, you have to listen to yeah. me about how I'm feeling and not yeah. use my tics aren't straightfor- so straightforwardly a barometer of my but, emotional yes, life. Yes, there's, there's an assumption yeah. that, 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 that your tics are somehow related and, yeah. and people can read them, I guess. Biscuit. Yeah. And, that, and to a certain extent, that is true. Like, yeah. they do, you know, they do change and evolve, and people that know me well can, you know, do do, do have a biscuit, have a good sense of, um, you know, maybe how I'm doing from from, from what my body's doing. Um, it's also very weird in that, for example, if I've hurt myself, it took me ages to work this out, but if I hurt myself, um, I will currently, say, I think, say minibus, um, but historically have said mystery or miso. And it's like, somehow, Tourette's has just gone, oh, ouch, it won't do. So we're going to replace ouch <laughs> with an M-based word. Right. Yeah, <laughs> OK. Um, so I've So, yeah, some ticks stick around for ages. Some come and, like, lots come and go. They can be, co- like, simple, single-syllable, simple sing- noises. Um, e, E, E was a tick for a long time. And A, I'll often do. So they can be words or they can be complex phrases um, and sometimes with complicated ticks I can stop myself halfway through but if I do that I never know what the end would have been um, It's because it's not my thoughts are totally clear yeah. so I don't know what they I don't know what that would have been had I not stopped it sausage I love cheese let's Wrap up then. We're nearly at the end of our hour. Happy Christmas. Uh, Christmas wrap right, right, round the corner. Yeah. Um, what uh, what plans have you got creatively? What's coming up for you? R- wrapping a Toblerone. Biscuit. Uh, biscuit. Giving a sheepdog a hysterectomy. Fuck it, f- f- fucking ten versions of uh, biscuit. Jesus's igloo. Um, I haven't got any. They aren't plans. Um, Worth uh, writing down. <laughs> yes, definitely. There, there we go. Christmas cards. Christmas uh, yeah. cards. <laughs> F- festive beans. Um, yeah. So the so I'm having some time off, which is nice. And then in in the in the, the start of next year, we're going to be doing a we do. I'm going to be curating biscuit a festival of rest and resistance at Battersea Arts Centre Great. in March. And um, biscuit, hopefully, we'll be touring our latest stage show, um, uh, Not I, and hopefully the Beckett play. play biscuit. Um, and hopefully, we'll also be working um, on. A very early stage of a research and development around what a random language generating machine might look or feel or be like. Oh, that's um, interesting. So yeah, so that's a very uh, and I think it's, I'm very I have a very unusual relationship with words and language. So I think doing we've got the idea for doing starting a piece that looks at the power and potential of language to bring us together, to separate us, to divide us, to the power of yes and no, um, so much around, so much scope for uh, for for language, what a language, where a language machine might transport us and how it might help us uh, through this difficult phase in our in our world. Sausage. That um, to me sounds like I might have to get part two next year. Part two. Uh, um, that sounds incredibly interesting. Um, I love cats, isn't it? But I'm aware we've come to the end of our hour. So I'd like to say thank Sausage. you, Jess, for an amazing interview. Thank it's you. so lovely to Sausage. talk to you and hear about what you're doing yeah. and hear your take on things. 
Um, so, um, yeah, thanks very much. Thank you for having me. Fuck a goat! So there you go. A smart, funny and important interview with the wonderful Jess Tom. Check out her website, chouretteshero.com, where you can read a brilliant blog. If you're in the UK, Jess is curating the Festival of Rest and Resistance at Battersea Arts Centre. From the 4th to the 16th of March, there's a great lineup. Check it out. Next time, I'll be chatting to Art of Ping Pong Supremo, Mr Algie Batten. But for now, goodbye.